from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Tuesday edition, as the crisis in Ukraine intensifies, President Biden announced steps earlier today that will cut off a major source of revenue for Russia. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. While many agree with the move as being necessary, it will be painful for Americans because of previous policy decisions by the Biden administration. I expect our Democratic friends will now try to blame the entire increase in prices on our efforts to punish Russia. But don't be fooled. This was more than a year in the making. I was Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell earlier today. We'll talk with former Congressman Trent Franks, now a chair, now chairman of Liberty Petroleum, about what today's announcement could mean for American families and what needs to happen for America to become energy independent once again. And ironically, President Biden's prized objective of renewing the nuclear deal with Iran may be torpedoed by the U.S. ban on Russian oil. No one would like to see the deal go away more than Israel. And on Saturday, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett met with Vladimir Putin regarding the war in Ukraine. We'll continue to assist, even if the chances are slim. As soon as there's even a small opening and we have access to all sides, then I see this as our moral duty to make every possible effort to try and find a diplomatic solution. Well, what came from that meeting? We'll talk with Chris Mitchell, Middle East Bureau Chief for CBN News, live from Jerusalem in just a moment. Many in Congress are ready to address both issues, the Iran nuclear deal and aid to Ukraine. Nebraska Congressman Don Bacon, a retired Brigadier General and a member of the House Armed Services Committee, joins us later. And speaking of Congress, Travis Weber is here with a legislative update and an urgent action item, so stand by. And finally, the Ohio House of Representatives is speaking out on behalf of Canadian pastors, calling on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom to aid Canada, uh, to, to call on Canada to, um, uh, rather, to add Canada to the Commission's special watch list for religious freedom violations. We'll talk with the author of that resolution later on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, it's all archived right there at TonyPerkins.com. Our verse for today, coming from our daily Bible reading plan, Stand on the Word, is Leviticus 27 and 8. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You know, Jesus also said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments over in John 14. You know, holiness is not a state of mind. It is a posture of living. To join the two-year Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, it's now day 13 of Russia President Vladimir Putin's unprovoked invasion of their neighboring country, Ukraine. News reports indicate that this is far longer than Russians and even American intelligence suggested Ukraine would be able to resist and withstand. Military and civilian Ukrainians have shown incredible tenacity to hold off Russian troops, perhaps in, perhaps in large part because of the fearless leadership of their president, President Zelensky. Where leadership was not shown, which may, many argue enticed Putin to invade, was the Biden administration. And ironically, one of the casualties of Biden's weakness may be one of his prized objectives, returning the U.S. to the Iranian nuclear deal or the JCPOA. 
Of course, no country is more concerned about a nuclear Iran than Israel. Joining me now live from Jerusalem is CBN's Middle East Bureau Chief, Chris Mitchell. Chris, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, great to be with you again. Let's start first with the prime minister making a surprise trip to Russia on Saturday. He's an Orthodox Jew, and he traveled on the Sabbath, uh, which is highly unusual. Uh, so that speaks to the urgency of his mission. A, an Orthodox Jew is allowed to, allowed to travel if uh, lives are at stake. What was the outcome of that meeting? Well, Tony, uh, we don't know exactly uh, what went on during the meeting. It lasted three hours with Vladimir Putin. And as you said, very unusual for an Orthodox uh, prime minister, the first one in Israel's history to actually go on the Sabbath. Uh, and as you said, he did it to do uh, uh, <clears throat> save lives. And he did it, as, uh, as your report said uh, uh, with our CBN News report, he did it as a, a felt a moral obligation to go ahead and do that. Uh, after he was with uh, Vladimir Putin, he also went to the uh, Germany to meet with Germ Germany president. Uh, he also spoke with uh, Zelensky as well, three times. Uh, and the idea is to help mediate what's going on right now in Ukraine and try to bring some end to the hostilities right now and the aggression uh, by uh, Russia. Obviously, it hasn't had an impact yet, uh, but we'll see what happens. I, I know they feel like it is a slim possibility, but they felt it was important as I, as I said, a moral imperative that uh, that Bennett would go. I'm sure there were two through two other topics that uh, they talked about. Uh, uh, Tony, uh, first of all, would have been the Iranian nuclear deal. The second would have been the number of Jews that are in Ukraine. There's estimates as many as 200,000 Jews uh, in Ukraine right now. Uh, some of them are already coming back. They're expecting uh, thousands, if not tens of thousands, of Jews. To come back. We were at the airport the other day. We saw a plane load of 160 come. So I'm sure that was all part of the conversation that Bennett had with uh, President uh, Putin. You know, Israel is in a unique situation, as uh, the prime minister pointed out, having relationships with Russia and, of course, relationships with the West. Uh, you mentioned and we talked about at the top of the program, the Iranian nuclear deal. No one is more concerned about the outcome of that. And uh, Naftali Bennett has been very outspoken about Israel's opposition to the Biden administration reentering this deal. Uh, it appears that, uh, or there's word, that Russia is attaching language to any type of deal. Uh, if uh, sanctions against their oil comes in, they're out. Where does that stand? Well, people were expecting uh, the Iranian deal to be uh, signed within 24, 48 hours a couple of days ago. And then now what uh, Russia has done is asked that it, there would be an amendment to it, a written guarantee from the U.S., no less, that, uh, that there would be no uh, interruption in the trade between Russia and Iran. And, uh, and I think that's held it up right, right now. Uh, the way that Israel is looking at this, they see a very, very bad deal. Uh, and even the reports that have been coming out in, uh, in the news, we reported on this on Monday, is, uh, is that for uh, several things. First of all, the sunset clauses will remain, uh, which means in about nine years, Iran will have a free reign to go get a nuclear weapon. Uh, they also have uh, ability to keep their enriched uranium, ability to keep their advanced uh, centrifuges. Uh, and they also have sanctions relief on some of uh, Iran's top officials, uh, like President uh, Ibrahim Rahisi, 
who, uh, who is responsible for the deaths of thousands of political prisoners. So all of these uh, news reports coming out uh, really just add to the angst here in, uh, in Israel that uh, this is a very, very bad deal. And then it puts uh, Israel, Tony, in this quandary of saying, if this really paves the way for a nuclear Iran, uh, will Iran, uh, will Israel go ahead and uh, attack military uh, sites there, the, the nuclear sites in Iran? So that puts them in a very, very difficult situation. It does tactically and strategically puts him in a, a, a bad situation if, you know, the, the rest of the world agrees to this and uh, then they have to they're they're put into a position where they have to act prior to the completion of the timeline of nine years, because at that point, Iran uh, has all the ability they need to strike first. Yeah, really puts them as a nuclear threshold uh, country, uh, and the, the breakout to uh, to a nuclear weapon could be uh, a matter of weeks or months. Now, three things have to happen. First of all, they have to have weapons-grade enriched uranium. They have to have ballistic missiles. They do have those. Uh, once they get the uh, the enriched uranium, they have to weaponize that and put it into a uh, miniaturized nuclear weapon. Uh, we don't know how far away that is. There's estimates of maybe as much as a year. Uh, but when they go ahead and get military-grade uh, uranium and, uh, and have the other elements, it's really kind of game on here for Israel. Uh, they don't want uh, another Holocaust. And someone has said, a good friend Joe Rosenberg said, you know, Iran could do in six minutes what it took six years uh, for Adolf Hitler to do to kill six million Jews. So for Israel, it's an existential threat. And uh, as they have said more and more and more openly, whether it's Israeli Prime Minister Bennett, whether it's Defense Minister Gantz, they will not allow uh, Iran to get a nuclear weapon. You know, Chris, this is such a, you know, a unique geopolitical landscape that we're looking at right now. In, in Louisiana, it would be like a, a, a gumbo where you just throw everything in it. There's so many pieces right now in this, uh, in the mix. I mean, you have... The U.S. sitting on the same side of the table in these uh, nuclear uh, negotiations with Russia. But yet, you know, Russia is invading Ukraine. We're uh, standing with the Ukrainians. What is in this deal, the Iranian nuclear deal? What is in it for Russia? Why are they so interested in the outcome? Well, it was interesting. The, uh, the chief negotiator for Russia the other day was saying that the Iranian negotiators were you know, you do using like they were negotiating like lions. Some would argue maybe the U.S. was uh, negotiating like lambs uh, for Russia right now. They were actually, as he said, co-negotiating uh, with China on behalf of Iran. Uh, for Russia, I think they want to keep their trade relations uh, with Iran geopolitically. I think they think uh, they see Iran as an ally even though they're, they're much different in terms of ideology. You have one nation, Iran, which is, uh, you know, radical Islam, and then you have an authoritarian regime like uh, Vladimir Putin's. But I think they see it as a partner. They have, they have cooperated with their nuclear program, with their nuclear, rack, uh, nuclear uh, reactor, so they, and they want to keep that trade relationship going uh, between Iran and Russia. Those are some of the reasons why they see, a, 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 you know, the need for a continued relationship. But as you say, Tony, geopolitically here in the region, it is just sort of that Louisiana gumbo. Uh, you know, so many things in the mix, so many things happening. And uh, who would you expect to have an Israeli prime minister going to Moscow to mediate between Russia and Ukraine? 
Uh, it's a very, very unprecedented situation. And all the more reason for people to be praying for the peace yes. of Jerusalem and peace, uh, peace here in the region. Uh, Chris, uh, I appreciate you staying up late uh, there in uh, Jerusalem to talk with us. But final question for you, uh, given the present administration, again, we're talking about the nuclear deal they're pursuing with Iran, but there are other issues. What are the relationships perceived to be there in Israel between our two countries, between America and Israel at present under this administration? Well, with the, with the current coalition government, it has changed a bit. Uh, this government, you can be described as uh, more center-left. It certainly has a wide spectrum of, uh, of political parties in it, from the very, uh, very far left to the very far right. Um, and the, the relationship has changed since the Netanyahu government, which I would describe as, uh, as mo- almost, uh, you know, abrasive or hostile to the Biden administration, very, very close with the Trump administration. Uh, what the, uh, the current coalition is saying, they don't want to have any negotiations in public. They don't want to oppose uh, the United States in public, but they are making themselves very clear, especially about the Iranian nuclear deal. And uh, that to to Israel is probably the number one priority for them right now. Yes, uh, without question. Chris Mitchell, always great to talk with you again. Thanks for staying up late to, uh, to bring us the latest there from Jerusalem. Great to be with you, Tony. All right. Uh, CBN's a great resource for you. Chris does great work there in the Middle East. Uh, So you can find out more about them. Go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, don't go anywhere. On the other side of the break, Congressman Don Bacon joins me with a congressional perspective on President Biden's announcement today on banning Russian oil. That and more still coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. Don't go away. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, It is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, 
Sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. In pulling U.S. troops out of Afghanistan, President Biden declared last summer an end to ground wars and said he wanted to reimagine what the, how the U.S. would use its power abroad. Well, it's now obvious the rest of the world is not reimagining, reimagining conflict as the largest ground assault since World War II is now taking place in Ukraine. Congress is now working to allocate uh, one of the only things they are able to do to, in terms of providing support to the Ukrainians, and that is money. Here to break down all the latest from Capitol Hill and support for Ukraine is a member of the House Armed Services Committee, retired Brigadier General Congressman Don Bacon. Congressman Bacon, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me back on, Tony. So let's just start uh, with the issue of the president's announcement today, Congressman Bacon, of cutting off oil, purchasing of oil from Russia. You called for that previously, said we're giving them $15 million a day. Uh, this is a pretty significant uh, pipeline of money uh, that they're getting. Are you pleased with the president's announcement? Actually, the article that put that out was misquoting me. It was $70 million a day. That's what the Russians have been receiving. And think about that day in and day out, getting $70 million a day. We were propping up uh, this aggression against Ukraine. We're propping up Putin. And uh, so it was past time to do this. I am glad the president decided today to uh, stop buying Russian energy. But I also have to be clear why it was done. He knew that the House and the Senate was going to pass these sanctions against Russian energy with a veto-proof majority. And he fought it all week and was trying to stop it. Once he realized that this was going to happen, he decided to jump on board and uh, at least give the the impression that you know, he was leading on this. But he resisted it uh, for the last few weeks. And why was that? Well, the first day of his presidency, he reduced uh, drilling permits. He cut the Keystone Pipeline. He's not been doing any permits for natural gas terminals for a year that they're just sitting there. And so the, the prices have gone up. So he fears these prices even going up more and that he'll be a blame for it. But we cannot be propping up Russian, Russian aggression and Putin. So this was a moral decision. It was, it's the right thing to do. We got to isolate Russia economically, uh, diplomatically, and we got to give Ukraine all the weapons they need to defeat uh, this terrible, unjust, unprovoked aggression. 
Well, let's talk about that, because right now uh, I think it's about a $12 billion aid package being talked about to uh, help the Ukrainians. Where does that stand? Well, it's still being negotiated right now between the uh, Republicans, Democrats, and the House and the Senate. But with, I do know this. The Ukrainians need anti-tank weapons, lots, thousands of them. <clears throat> There's a 40-mile convoy line stuck, and, it, and they're being attacked from four different angles. So we got to give these anti-tank weapons to the Ukrainians, and they're making good use of them. They need anti-air missiles, two different kinds. Uh, we're sending them Stinger missiles right now, and the Stinger missiles are really good at five-mile range. Uh, they're very good for tracking heat off the airplanes. But that's that's the minimum for the anti-air. We, they also need the longer-range air defense missiles that are radar-guided. And we have the ability to give them these systems. And there's a few types of weapons that they're already trained on. And that gives them ranges at 50-plus miles. And that would be a game-changer for the Ukrainians. They also need anti-shipping missiles off the Black Sea because they're being attacked with amphibious or, you know, amphibious landings uh, with the uh, Russian Marines. And we didn't give them that. So, you know, Tony, I had to tell you, I was disappointed in December, January, and February. We had the ability to give these weapons to Ukraine, which would have made a better impact now if they would have had this stuff sooner. But now we're moving down this path, but it's, we should have been done months ago. Um, but better late than ever. Ukraine is, they're showing such courage. And they're def- they are actually defeating, they're holding this Russian army. Uh, and with our help, they can continue to do so. And uh, Russia's paying for it big time right now. Well, Congressman, you know a little bit about controlling the airspace. And President Zelensky has said, you know, they want a no-fly zone. That's not going to happen from NATO. Second best thing they're asking for are more aircraft. Conversations about Poland shipping them, the uh, the jets that they have, that being replaced by the U.S. Where does that stand in terms of uh, support for Ukraine? I understand it's moving forward. Uh, the, the Ukrainians need some air-to-air fighters, but even more importantly, they need some air-to-ground uh, fighters that can attack tanks and the convoys. And so the, there's these two different types of aircraft are in Europe right now. They're Russian-made aircraft. The Ukrainians know how to fly them already. So I am under the understanding that Europeans will be moving some of these weapons or air, these aircraft to Ukraine. But what these, our NATO allies want is a commitment from us that we will help them with getting F-16s down the road, F-15s. Uh, so, these are, so these countries will be getting F-35s and so forth. Uh, but it's the absolute right thing to do. We, if we can give Ukraine the means to defend itself, I think they're going to prevail. If they do not prevail, and they are showing tremendous fortitude, as you've pointed out, uh, the president there doing a remarkable job of rallying the Ukrainians, both the military and the civilians, do you think if Putin is able to uh, to overcome the Ukrainian defenses, d- does he stop with Ukraine or does he keep moving into other parts of Europe? Well, first of all, it is possible he could prevail, but it's not looking good for them right now because you got to older ladies and, and guys going out with AK-47s and taking the fight. I mean, the whole country is just caught up in defending their, their homeland. And, and the Russian morale is low. I have good good sources there that these uh, 18 to 20-year-old conscripts that know what they're getting into. Uh, they're getting killed, and they don't know why. Why are they doing it? So their morale is low. The Ukraine morale is high. They're defending their motherland and their home. Uh, and, if, and if they do fall, though, I think it's very likely Ukraine will go into a insurgency 
situation where they'll be continuing the fight uh, in the cities and in the countryside. So I don't know that Russia will get out of this for a decade, uh, if, if, even if they prevail and take the, the country now. But to your question, Tony, I think if Russia wasn't met sternly here, uh, Ukraine would not be the last country. They, you know, the Baltic states have a very large Russian population, and that's what Russia's using as a pretense here with Ukraine. We have Georgia right now that already has been partially invaded by Russia. But we're talking about Moldavia. It's another country that Russia, there are some maps in Russia right now that shows that Moldavia is the next country uh, that Russia wants to invade. And so I don't think, if Russia's got to, or Putin's got to be met with strength. And if not, he will continue doing these uh, right. this, uh, these aggressions. But right now he's taking a black eye, so I'm not sure what he's going to do. All- All the more reason we need to stand with Ukraine right now and put a stop to it right there, because they're doing the work. They are absolutely getting it done. Congressman Bacon, got to run. Thanks so much for joining us. Always great to talk with you. Yes, sir. All right, folks, stick with us. We go to the state of Ohio, the Buckeye State, next. Don't go away. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Finley Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Right here at Washington Watch, we've been covering the story of the Canadian pastor, Arthur Polosky, uh, who is currently in jail. I mean, he's been in jail for over three weeks. Um, we're not sure, really, why he's in jail. I mean, they've, they've listed the charges. Uh, Canadian authorities have locked him up for over a month for a crime of speaking as a pastor at a Freedom Convoy blockade at the U.S.-Canadian border. 
Now, earlier this month, Senator Josh Hawley sent a letter to the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, or USERF, urging the organization to add Canada to its watch list. And now Ohio state legislators have introduced a resolution calling on USERF to add Canada to its watch list with an appeal to Canadian Canada's historic legacy of religious liberty that has been trampled by its own government and their current treatment of religious leaders and pastors. Join me now to discuss the legislation is Ohio State Representative Reggie Stolfus. Uh, Reggie, welcome to Washington Watch. Well, good afternoon, Tony, and it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for having me today. Well, I, I'm obviously very curious about uh, this and what prompted you to take the actions to call upon USERF uh, to put Canada on their special watch list. Well, great question, Tony. You know, we have seen... Um, an increase of hostility and aggression towards faith leaders in Canada recently, going as far as arresting pastors um, for preaching and teaching and, and holding church services. And uh, even even recently, you, you just mentioned it, uh, Arthur Pulowski, um, he's still in jail. And I believe it's because he will not read a script um, to folks when he's preaching, um, a script that has been given to him by the government. So, you know, these pastors, you know, we have Pastor Coates, we have um, Arthur and David Pulowski, Tobias Tisson, Tim Stevens, and many other pastors, I'm sure, that have been affect- in, affected by uh, the Canadian government and their their overreach. You know, Canada is just violating their own stated values. The Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms states that everyone has the following fundamental freedoms, Tony, which include freedom of conscience and religion. So, you know... As, as we see this across the border, again, Canada is just a hundred miles from my front doorstep. And as I see these things happening and unfolding, I'm deeply troubled. And as a, as a state legislator, you know, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to sound the alarm that religious persecution is happening 100 miles from my doorstep and, and we need to do something about it. And that's what prompted this house resolution. So, Representative Stolfus, let me ask you uh, this. Well, let me point out first that in the the resolution, you also make reference to uh, a a measure that was adopted earlier this year in Canada, uh, Measure C-4, which puts many, many pastors at risk if they preach the Bible from their pulpits. That's a very good point, Tony. And, uh, you know, the Bill C-4 as enacted by Canada, has has very ambiguous language in it. And, you know, when we're talking about this, the bill out, outlaws converting someone who is a homosexual or a transgender person back to their original state of heterosexual or as defined, the sex defined at birth. And this puts pastors in a very difficult position when they're counseling people who are coming to them for help and according to this law, it could, it could cost a pastor up to five years in prison. And, you know, pastors have to have to choose. Am I, are, are we going to are they going to speak the truth boldly and biblically? You know, are they going to are they going to lay down to the government of, of Canada? And uh, my prayer is that uh, pastors stand up to this and uh, they continue to speak boldly and, uh, you know, that uh, they can continue to preach openly without persecution. Are you concerned, Reggie, that if this is not addressed north of our border, that we're going to see more of that here in America? 
Tony, I am absolutely concerned that that will be the case. You know, it seems whatever happens, you know, around the world ultimately comes here after a while. And, uh, you know, we, we see the shift in culture in the last 10 years, and it is not a good shift. So I do see this coming here, um, and we've got to put an end to it. We've, we've got to stand up for religious freedom. We've got to fight for our religious freedom, you know, and it's something we've got to do as Christians. Uh, Reg, very quickly before we run out of time, what's the status of your resolution? Thank you for the question, Tony. Um, it's pending in the House. Um, we're going to have our first hearing here very soon. Uh, we've got 11 co-sponsors, and uh, we've got a pretty good conservative group um, here in the Ohio House of Representatives. I look for this bill to to pass pretty quickly and to get on the House floor and, uh, you know, send a message to Canada and to, you know, Justin Trudeau that Ohio and America is watching how you are treating your faith leaders. Well, uh, I thank you uh, for taking that step. Uh, as a former chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, I'll let you know that an inquiry has been made with the Canadian government uh, regarding their activities. And uh, at, at some point, I, I hope that information is uh, is made public. But uh, thanks so much for your leadership. I agree with you 100%. We need to address it wherever it occurs around the world, lest it happen right here at, uh, at home. Absolutely. Tony, and, and real quick, I just want to give a shout out to one of our legislative aides who has worked tirelessly on this legislation, and uh, that's Amanda Megato. Um, she's done great work on this, and I just want to give her a shout out and a big thank you. So, very good, Reggie. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Great to talk with you. Thank you, folks. Stick with us on the other side of the break. Former Congressman Trent Franks, now in the petroleum business talks about the president's announcement today and what we need to do to get America back to a point of energy independence. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. 
Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12- to 15-week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. We're going to get to uh, former Congressman Trent Franks in just a moment, but I want to bring in uh, Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council, because, uh, you know, no crisis is ever wasted here in Washington, D.C. We were talking earlier uh, with Congressman Bacon about an effort to get uh, much-needed aid to Ukraine, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to uh, to $12 billion in emergency aid. But... Uh, as is usual, there are some that want to attach some bad policy to a funding bill that would never stand on its own. Uh, joining us now, Travis Weber, as I mentioned, Vice President of Policy. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Okay, so give us uh, an update on what's being the scuttlebutt from Capitol Hill, what's being talked about uh, to be attached to this uh, emergency funding that Americans support, and there's bipartisan support as well on Capitol Hill for it. Yeah, so, Tony, it looks like, you know, the government has to fund uh, it fund itself beyond March 11th, the, current, the deadline, the current funding rules uh, is ex- expires, and so you've got what's known as the omnibus funding package, uh, which was in process. But now with Ukraine developing, members want to include Ukraine funding in that. And the latest that we're hearing is that, uh, and is what is being reported on you know, different social media accounts right now, is that the Violence Against Women Act is possibly going to be included in this omnibus funding pa- uh, spending package. So this, is, this should be funding the federal government, and yet it's being injected with radical ideologies like what's included in VAWA, the Violence Against Women Act, and other likely tangential and unrelated matters uh, not connected to funding the federal government or getting the funding to Ukraine that many agree upon, which is a separate matter, could be brought up separately. There's really, I've not been presented with a good reason that this all needs to be rolled into one package. A lot of it's hidden. We don't know exactly what's in it. The text has not been released yet. We don't know what's in the text. And we obviously have concerns with VAWA. This bill would include uh, includes gender identity ideology policy provisions, which would allow biological men to have access to women's shelters that are supposed to be protecting women from violence, yet exposing them to the presence of biological men in their private facilities, 
and close quarters where they should not be. Many of these women have suffered abuse, so this shouldn't be happening. It's a major problem. It shouldn't be in the omnibus of all things. All right, let me, let me break this down real quick for our listeners because uh, the, the names of these bills that uh, are usually it's the exact opposite. Uh, you know, this is violence uh, on women uh, is what this bill actually does. But the the continuing resolutions is how government has been funded because they haven't been able to get together on the individual funding bills. Now they're trying to lump everything into an omnibus, which is all of the funding bills or several of the funding bills together. But they're having difficulty with that. So it appears to me, Travis, that they're using this moment where there's unity around one issue, and that is funding for Ukraine, emergency funding, to use that as kind of a smokescreen to not only advance the omnibus, which has a lot of other bad stuff in it, but also this measure, the Violence Against Women's Act. I do think that's what's going on. You know, we're, we're seeing a crisis exploited to cram through uh, a, a, a big package of spending that we don't, we don't know what's in it. The text has not been released. Members need time to scour the text. And it appears that they're going to try for a vote in the next couple of days on this. So we're going to get a giant bill um, and, and members are going to be voting on something. They don't really know what's in it. They haven't examined it. They're not going to have time to examine it. Uh, yet the crisis of the moment is pressuring them uh, to support something that they don't they you know, they don't want to oppose. And they many of them want to support aid for Ukraine, but it's being linked uh, to the omnibus, which you detailed uh, for the listeners, how, how that works. I, I do think, you know, this is a moment that people need to understand the types of things that sometimes get thrown in the mix. In this instance, it's the Violence Against Women Act, which we have major problems with, major concerns with. And, and uh, uh, the public needs to know about this. And Congress should okay. not be cramming these things in uh, when they're trying to pass spending bills. I think we're in a very short fuse because the House Democrats are leaving tomorrow night for a retreat up in uh, in Philadelphia. And so they're going to try to get this thing through as quickly as possible. So, so what's the action item? What do our listeners and viewers need to be doing? Yeah, at this point, uh, we need folks to weigh in with their, their members of Congress, letting them know it's unacceptable to be cramming the Violence Against Women Act into an omnibus spending package. They can do that. Go to TonyPerkins.com and click on our alert there. And uh, they need members of Congress need to hear from you, need to hear from everyone that this is just an unacceptable way to go. All right, Travis Weber, thanks so much for the update. And, folks, you can find that information uh, at TonyPerkins.com. The alert is there. You can click on it and it'll give you all the information. Travis, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. All right, as I mentioned earlier, President Biden announced a ban on Russian energy imports as a result of the Russian Federation's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. You know, the question is, what will that mean for you um, in terms of filling up your vehicle, getting heating oil for your home? And is there a way forward? And what are the steps to get America back to energy independence? Joining me now, former Congressman Trent Franks, current chairman of Liberty Petroleum. And uh, he joins us here to uh, to answer some of these questions. Trent, welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, thank you, Tony. It's a precious privilege to be back with you. I'm in a neighboring city, so consequently my Zoom setup isn't optimal here, but I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to be with you, and it's, it's a sweet honor. Well, so good to, to hear your voice and to, to see you again. I, I want to play a clip of uh, the president today uh, because he, he, yesterday it was brought up 
that, um, you know, we need more domestic production. Uh, domestic production could help ease our dependence upon this foreign oil. And this was the president's response today. Play uh, clip number six, please. They have 9,000 permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now, yesterday, last week, last year. They have 9,000 to drill onshore that are already approved. So let me be clear. Let me be clear. They are not using them for production now. That's their decision. These are the facts. We should be honest about the facts. So we have everyone in the uh, oil industry just sitting around doing nothing, twiddling their thumbs? Yeah, no, that's just, it's a preposterous statement. Uh, but unfortunately, only the esoteric uh, industry understands just how far skew it really is, Tony. Well, first of all, the last two years have been a disaster for the oil business up until just recently because COVID slowed down uh, the consumption to the extent that tankers and, and everything else was backing up. And, you know, you saw a year and a half ago oil go below zero per barrel. And uh, so, the, the, the policy there of shutdown really slowed everything down. And now the policies of essentially shutting down uh, drilling by, by trying to create all kinds of red tape uh, are, are, is, is, is essentially a big issue now. And now time and truth have exposed the reality here where now we desperately need to be producing our own oil and gas instead of being able – being forced to depend upon um, a Hitlerian – tyrant like Putin to supply our oil and gas. And related to the, 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 the leases that the president is speaking of, he has to realize that you can't just go out and drill anywhere and, and just hope that you are successful. A lot of these leases aren't drilled simply because they're not prospective. And uh, the truth is, there is so much red tape, so much uh, uh, challenges from the Environmental Protection Agency, so many different things that occur to prevent uh, domestic drilling that uh, to suggest that somehow this president has facilitated um, exploiting our own resources is, is preposterous. Well, as you mentioned, the price of oil, we've seen about a 90 percent increase since last year. We're now, as of today, over $120 a barrel production, pre-COVID production. Uh, well, that was actually pre-Biden administration as well. Uh, we were at, I think, about 13 uh, million barrels uh, a, a day, um, and we were actually exporting oil. We had uh, extra oil that we uh, we were producing. That's not the case. Uh, we're currently uh, about 1.11.6. Uh, what would it take to get America back? You can't just flip a switch and uh, and start the pumps again. How long is it going to take to get America back to that position of energy independence? Well, it does take time. But, you know, there's an old saying that something should have been done many years ago. The best second time is to do it now. And this president needs to turn loose the industry and say, you guys go and make us energy independent again. And it won't take that long. We we have a lot of oil uh, uh Made, made available to us from, from shale plays like in the Bakken and other shale plays in Texas that we can begin to exploit pretty quickly. But the time is now to turn that uh, spigot on, and it can be done. Uh, it won't be enough to soon enough to, to address the present, present crisis, but it's vital that we do that because we certainly should, as a nation, be able to see the, the absolute lunacy of making ourselves dependent on Russian or Chinese oil. 
So, uh, Trent, oil prices often driven by speculation. I mean, you know, people are predicting what the future may hold. That drives up the price. I mean, that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, but if the administration were to open up the spigot, so to speak, again, on domestic oil, and it's going to take some time, but it's also important to address these other issues that you don't see unless you're in the business, the regulatory aspects. And I, I had uh, a meeting today with, with someone who is in the, the business saying that lenders are being pressured only to lend money to green energy and not uh, fossil fuels. And, and so there are other issues that are out there that are secondary and third uh, when it comes to oil production that have to be addressed as well. Well, you know, the, the challenge with the, the green energy uh, advocates, God bless them. Uh, we're, we're excited about anybody that wants to go out and come up with a different form of, of being able to produce energy. We, for 30 years, we've said that coal fusion was only 30 years away. Uh, I'm all for innovation. That's a vital component of American advancement. But the truth is that the, the green energy people at the moment have a big problem with physics. You know, if you just wanted to power, say, a city the size of Manhattan, you would need a wind farm the size of Connecticut. And they just simply don't understand the, uh, the, the inability of us to be able to meet our energy needs without fossil fuels at the moment. If somebody else can come up with a, a different way, then let's see that happen. Let's turn loose innovation. Let's turn loose the inventors. Let's turn loose the scientific minds of America and become energy independent in whatever way that works. But until we do that, we cannot find ourselves dependent on uh, foreign oil. And right now, you know, not only does our dependence on foreign oil empower Russia to do what they're doing, the absolute horrifying, evil, insidious things that they're doing in Ukraine, but it empowers them on a lot of different fronts. And uh, the, the administration waited a long time in order to be able to address that. And I hope they will do so with commitment. But in the final analysis, there is not only a national security issue here, Tony. There is an economic issue of the first magnitude. Because whenever we're buying oil from Saudi Arabia or China or, or Russia, that is almost a direct uh, wealth transfer to those countries. Because uh, when they exploit their, their mineral resources, Many times they do it with the help of uh, American technology and American companies, but the wealth transfer is very direct. And so this is something that becomes not only an economic issue, but a vital national security issue to produce our own energy in America so that we do not have to be beholden to tyrants. Right. And, and what's so frustrating about it uh, or disturbing about it, it's unnecessary. We don't have it's to be unnecessary. doing this. We we saw this in the previous administration where we became, uh, as I mentioned, energy independent. But do we have the, the Biden administration is also in talks with Venezuela about temporarily lifting existing American sanctions on that country to alleviate the uh, potential gas price crunch here domestically. So we're letting a lot of bad actors have a lot of runway uh, because we were not prepared because of our policies when it comes to domestic production. Well, and, you know, Venezuela, there's such an irony to mention Venezuela. They were the, the wealthiest country in South America, and oil was their main uh, source of that wealth. And when, when socialism uh, came in uh, and took over, uh, they have now the wealthiest country in South America, and many places in the last year were begging bread in the streets. And it's just such a... a a clear example of what not to be. And I, I'm afraid that if, if we continue under the socialist notions of the Biden administration, that, uh, you know, Biden can do for, for America 
what uh, um, Hugo Chavez did for uh, Venezuela. And I yeah. just hope somehow that we we wake up while we still can. And to empower that uh, country right now is probably not a wise thing. Uh, Trent, very quickly, we're, we're up against the end of the program, but uh, you know how Congress works. You know what needs to be done from the industry standpoint. What are the first two things that uh, Congress and the administration should be doing to uh, help us move that domestic production along? Well, the first thing that we should do would be to take off every constraint possible from government to allow the domestic uh, energy explorers and producers to proceed. I mean, we could stop there, really. The second thing that we can do is to make sure that people understand that if the market works well, we will outproduce any nation in the world and that we need to do this as a matter of national security. And it is a policy um, question. And if the president doesn't answer that properly, then the Congress should if they have the courage. All right. Uh, Trent Franks, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for always joining us today. Always to talk to you, my friend. God bless you always. All right. Former Congressman Trent Franks uh, from Arizona, now in the petroleum business, chairman of Liberty Petroleum. Folks, there you have it. We have a way forward if the administration will just take the right steps. And we need to be praying that they would also advocating with Congress to put the pressure on. We don't need to be empowering Russia, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia. We can put people to work here. We have our own energy supply. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 